Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I am Justin, and at the end of this book, I am joined by... You took my sign on. I'm book finale Beth. <laughs> and I'm book finale Samus, me. <laughs> and I also finished the book, and I'm Caleb. Hi, Caleb. That was the most unified we've been on our intros since episode one. Sure was. I didn't have anything planned ahead of time this time, so it's like, yeah, I can fit with the theme. That's fine. See, I think <laughs> if there's one thing that unites all of us, it's that we just finished reading uh, this book. That's they true. Did. Book, The Well of Ascension. And <laughs> that puts us in a hell of a place. I was, I was saying right before we got on air that uh, if you read Final Empire and said... That was pretty good. Maybe I'll read the sequels later, you know, when I feel like it. I would understand that. But when you finish Well of Ascension, there's really only one thing you can do, which is to try to figure out what the hell just happened and then start reading Hero of Ages. Yeah. Yeah, I was impressed at the... I was impressed and surprised at the entire format of Part 6, because really all of Part 6 is practically one big epilogue mm -hmm. of... Most of the stuff got wrapped up in part five. There's one loose end, and that loose end is going to be frayed and torn and yeah. become a whole different tangle of knots that you won't get any answers to. You just have to buy the next book. Um, which, it, it, it's a very compelling cliffhanger, um, but I was, I was almost, in a good way, taken aback by just how much part six is basically just introducing the next book as opposed right. to wrapping more things up here. <sighs> the best part is I don't know if I was right or not. I, I don't know. <laughs> I also there's a little it's it's a little unclear what counts as being in the well versus at the well because I think you're one of the main things of of your theory was it's literally the thing contained within the well that wants to be free. Yeah, and we we get from Quan that there's something at the well, but not necessarily what's in the well. So I also don't know if you were correct. I will say the the predictions segment last episode was pretty wild. <laughs> well, to your point of things not quite getting resolved, Caleb, when you went on your tear, I think two episodes ago, and we were like, well, we still got the whole Battle of Luthadel, so none of that gets wrapped up in part five. I've, it doesn't get super duper wrapped up in part <laughs> six either, huh? No. <laughs> things happen. Yeah. Whether there's a resolution, eh, not so much. Yeah, and similar to Sam, I think some of my things from two episodes ago were right, but there's still a, quite a few questions. So let's finish this episode so that we can read the next book. <laughs> <laughs> no, because we still have to do an episode zero. We have, we have a ways to go before we can get started. Uh... Yeah, let's, uh, let's do the thing so that we can make room for more reading. Uh, yeah, part six, Words in Steel, was the entirety of our final episode. Uh, and yeah, the, the words in steel turned out to be quite important, and the ones that weren't said in steel could not be trusted. Mm. True All form. too true. And speaking of which, uh, Justin, if you want to get to our epigraph, I already have notes about it. Yeah, uh, we start off with a... Uh, an escalation from Quan of if Rashik fails to lead us Alendi astray, I have instructed the lad to kill Alendi. 
And I'm not entirely sure what this accomplishes in terms of the whole gaslighting of Sazed's writings. But Sazed's writings specifically say, if Rashak uh, fails to uh, lead him astray, I've instructed Lead to kill my former friend. Um, so just another little kind of revisionist in terms of what exactly the dynamic was. Uh, it's a little interesting. So here we go. Uh, Beth dug up this page. There is a page on the Copper Mind that lists line by line each of the changes. Ooh. I will say, it's, it's worth noting, but I will say I'm pretty sure I caught almost every single one after I you did my- You actually caught some that aren't on this page. They weren't Whoa, listed, yeah. Step aside, Coppermind. There's <laughs> a new sheriff in town. I, I put way too much time into uh, going back and checking every last detail. We had kind of an awkward gap in our recording sessions. You had to fill it somehow. But yeah, we can, I mean, we can go over this when we've gotten to to all of them. Uh, but there is kind of a general theme of the changes to the epigraphs. Uh, there's a couple of general themes, one of which is de-emphasizing Alendi wherever possible so that they would perhaps apply to someone else as well. Uh... Yeah. Because, yes, there was another point where Alendi just got changed to he, which in of itself is also strange, considering you would think whoever's revising this would also want to de-emphasize the gender aspect to make Seized go, hmm, maybe it doesn't have to be. A... There, yeah. There's two steps there of the uh, the rubbing. What, so the, the Quan's writing on the wall and therefore the rubbing are presumably in the ancient terrace language that's true and so the uh season's rubbing got changed from alendi to a pronoun which originally translates as him oh that's interesting it's only Mm -hmm. until season looks i think they do note that that pronoun can be translated either way yes yes but i hadn't put together that like because it's in the original language the thing that got changed would have been gender neutral in the first place and it's only it like says it just has to put that together on his own right. so it actually is helpful changing alendi to the pronoun f- to help says make that conclusion right because had, that allows the the mistake to be made then right yeah i had not put that together that's cool we are five minutes in on one line okay. <laughs> so we start the the section proper in kind of the least like there's a whole big escalation of tension and drama and importance and we start in kind of the one piece of the puzzle that is uh the furthest away so that we can build all the way up uh, which is the rest of the traveling party because when vin rushed back to luthadel to to fight against the coloss ellen and spook have to go the long way and so they are traveling back. Good luck, boys. Have yeah. Fun. <laughs> Walk at night. It really doesn't feel like we have a lot to talk about here, given everything else that happened. Well, I mean, he does run into uh, some friends. He, he does. Uh, some friends, some other things. That's right. Friends and otherwise. <laughs> uh, there is a note here. Uh, I think this has been mentioned before, but I always I do find it interesting when it's brought up uh, that Spook is scouting ahead uh, through the mists, uh, and Elland is 
I don't remember who the other person who's mentioned this is, but Ellen is thinking, that doesn't make any sense. How does Tin let you see <laughs> through something? Yes, I, I do think Vin, when first learning about Tin, was like, that's doesn't make that doesn't really I don't really get why I can see through it, but I can see through it, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. So the the first encounter they actually have uh, is the least important one because there's a, a mistwraith following them. Good old goopy boy. Big goopy things related to Chandra. Here was question one for me. Why is it pointing north? Like it's, it's pointing question. north, right? Like uh, so they get to uh, when. Uh, Ellen eventually does get to like the well it is no longer pointing north it's pointing like at the well right or so why is it pointing north right now okay hang what? on we we wait we might be skipping forward slightly because I know I know we're skipping forward yeah. but it it just is not ever clear to me I don't know I think there is an explanation for that and I I think we'll get to it when we have more answers overall Hmm. are you what what are you you're not talking about the mist wraith isn't pointing anywhere what are you talking about oh not i'm sorry not the mist wraith the, the, yeah the, the spirit's coming soon but we haven't even oh, gotten to the spirit okay. yet the spirit. that's what i yeah i skipped over the mist wraith i was like i was like all right mr how yeah. could you skip over it's old hat boy. it's old hat man just this thing eating frantically corpses. scanning page 710 like where does the word north even appear yeah, i thought you were saying the mistrace was coming from the north i was like i mean if it's following him it makes sense maybe that it's from the north get the maps I just, the maps um <laughs> speaking of 710 before i move on too much i do love ellen kind of thinking to himself like you know he's he's thinking back on everything and how you know it didn't go great but then he's like but i also did a pretty good job He'd prove that an assembly could work. Did you? That assembly really sucked, man. It really did not go very well. First order of business. Dissolve ourselves. So we can have titles. <laughs> and then, we spoiler alert, in a few chapters, Ellen finds out that he's now emperor, and he's like, yeah, that's cool with me. <laughs> All right. And he ended up as king eventually, even without Alamancy, ignoring the fact that everyone in this book who was in the running to be king did not have alamancy uh, <laughs> like straff is a tin eye straff's a tin well, eye but that's the only exception and he wasn't like running for king he was just trying to cause chaos and, yeah like, in terms eventually of the election it itself over. yeah with the yeah, election that's, itself that's true yeah they were all just regular average joes yeah we uh i mean we we saw it at the end of of last segment and gave Vin a bit of a pass on not being the the most pro-democracy person on Skadriel. But this really is another, you know, in the, in the next chapter or so, when Ellen does arrive back at Luthadel, they're really bad at democracy. They really are <laughs> so bad at it. Anyways, I'm just happy at this. Ellen has kind of finally ended this book coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't need Alamancy. That's an aspect of his life he never has to worry about. And he's mm -hmm. okay with that. Sure is. Anyways, <laughs> and it's not like that's ever going to change, right? No, right? Why would it? You're born. He can with be it. powerful without Alamancy, you know. He doesn't yeah. need that. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yes. that's not on page seven ten either. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the the next thing that that does happen is the mist spirit shows themselves here with Ellen and Spook, uh, and seems to be trying to get them to go north, uh, but. 
it's kind of hard to communicate with this thing. And so they uh, turn to a, a more pressing issue, which is the fact that they've uh, arrived with a large group of refugees from the Terrace homelands. See, initially I didn't gather that they were Terrace because I don't think there's a V. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no V's a, in this chapter. There's, there's no not a single one. <sighs> what are Maybe we they doing? left before they could put on their V's. <laughs> they were in a hurry, trying to get out. Yeah, I, I, I also was... It's interesting how long it takes to realize that this is like literally from the terrace homelands because it's several paragraphs of, you know, it does mention the keepers and it does mention that they're terrace people, but it, it's also discussion of being in servitude. And so my first thought was like, okay, it's a group of refugees that used to be servants in Luthadel that have escaped Luthadel. And it's not until the bottom of the page when they mentioned the synod that I was like, oh shit. Oh no, that's, th- that's right. not what's going on here. This is terrace essentially. This is the, mm. the remnants of the terrace people. I, I was part right about the Inquisitors. The they did Inquisitors, go north. The Inquisitors did go north. <laughs> they just went north to slaughter a whole bunch of people. Uh. <laughs> Can't they ever do cool things and not be tragically uncool at all times? <laughs> I mean, they do cool things. They're just aimed at the people <laughs> we like. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. There is... <laughs> Also, a specific detail that might end up being nothing, but I think is worth pointing out, is that the Inquisitors uh, slaughtered a bunch of people, and then they also took all the bodies. Um, sure did. Which is disconcerting, and makes me wonder if there's a chance that we see a uh, Terrace Inquisitor in the coming books, which would be terrifying, I feel like. Because that's basically Lord Ruler powers. I feel like, in general, whenever whenever the body is removed it's not a good sign like yeah. something's going on there yeah <laughs> speaking of which we never followed up on zane's body that that's i i assume it didn't disappear because that was not brought up but what the fuck's going on with zane <laughs> oh lord if he comes back <laughs> i don't think he's coming back i'm pretty sure he's dead but He's, he's he's he had to spike in him i want to figure out what's going on there's no time there's no time something that we do get in this uh section here which would be i think funnier at a time where there aren't world altering events happening uh is th- just the fun little thing of uh you know you know king venture eh, yeah we've uh, we've met before <laughs> I like it's it's silly him. and it only happens for like a, a couple of pages but i like it yeah i think i mentioned the henry the fifth thing um earlier with ellen being amongst the people and here we have a kind of weird version of that of now he is hiding his identity um but he's consoling people who have lost a very terrible battle instead of hyping the people up mm-hmm. <laughs> but no he does he does console them you know oh tidwell you know she's in Luthadel. Yeah, she could be your yeah, leader, she, guys. She's, yeah. in, she's in Luthadel and she's fine. Yeah. Fine. Oh. Which is funny because he literally, like, at the top of that page, he's like, yeah, Luthadel's not a great place to be right now. That's why I'm here. <laughs> but, yeah, Tindwell was still in Luthadel when he left. That is true. But, yeah, it is uh, 
it is a, a tragic situation there. And it's it's hard to say where it would be best for them to go at this point. Uh, but they do they do resolve that they're going to have to head back to Luthadel. And as he's pondering all of this, Ellen thinks, what else have I been ignoring? And this is the moment where Ellen finds out, not only is he not in a turn-based strategy game, he's not even in just an RTS. He's in fact in an MMORPG in which there's a lot more happening in the world that he's just like, I didn't had, I've just been in this one hub location the entire time. I had no idea that there were so many side quests happening out here. I've just been killing rats in this basement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another passing note here that I, I do want to call back to later because it's interesting that they pointed out here. Uh, Spook is having real difficulty with the light. It's like this. This hurts my eyes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. They do sure keep bringing that up. Mm-hmm. Remember when Kelsier said that you really shouldn't burn metals like a lot? Hmm. Mm. We'll see what happens to Spook later. We'll see. Interesting. <laughs> so, Sam hitting us with a rare interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm tying things together in my mind here because yeah, you're right. This is like the third time it's been brought up. I did pick mm-hmm. up on that. <laughs> Squ- squinting, having a hard time seeing. Yeah, Interesting. I am willing to point it out now because the the payoff, as it is, is not very long into Hero of Ages. So it's not like it's going to be something that is way far down the line. I do already have my theory for what it is, but okay. we can get to that for yeah. a theory section. Sure will. Uh, so... That is, we have to leave those two there for a bit because there's important things happening back in Luthadel, uh, but they'll be back shortly. Uh, Our chapter 57 epigraph is, uh, this is kind of the only one that's like not an important thing. Uh, Because last chapter we had, I told Rashik to kill Lendi. And the next two chapters, we have the whole point of the whole thing. But this one is just kind of in between of Elendi has survived all of these things that have been thrown at him. So I don't know if my idea will work, but it's all I have. My only note on this was, wouldn't it be funny if, and this doesn't end up happening, wouldn't it be funny if Elendi's bones were in the cave where the well is? <laughs> I'm sure that's probably fine. <laughs> just like there. <laughs> Just like comedically posed inches yeah. from the well. Yeah, like reaching out to it and scrawled on the wall. It went, no, Rashek, don't. <laughs> I mean, funny tropes about posed skeletons notwithstanding, this is a world where the possession of somebody's bones is pretty significant. Yeah. Mm, this is true. But we don't see Elendi's bones, so that'll definitely not happen. You don't see his old bones. Into chapter 57, back in Luthadel. Uh, government is still going great, even through all of the the turmoil that has, has just happened. Uh, you now have uh, Set, who is here again. Hey. Uh, Penrod, who is ostensibly, I, I guess, still like the ruler of Luthadel? Um, but... And and Sazed is there as kind of the the representative of our crew, but Elend is still a couple of days out or whatever it is, 
Uh, and Vin, as we learn, is practically in a coma. She's been asleep for several days, given the exertion that she had. Uh, and so, uh, and, right, and Gennaro is here from, from Straff's forces. So this just, this group has to try to figure out what they're supposed to be doing now. And it is not going well. Well, it's not not going horribly. It's going better than it was before Vin united them. There isn't a horde of Coloss rampaging through the city, so that is a plus. <laughs> Definite improvement, yeah. <laughs> and as it turns out, apparently the Coloss are, like, calmly gathered right outside the city. Yeah, they're just chilling. Just to, just to put in a word and to, to keep this drumbeat going, uh, this is literally a junta. This is a military junta. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's all with with Ellen at the helm. I was I was going to say like I was just to follow that up. We do get very casual confirmation in this chapter that they are officially referred to as the emperor and empress now mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. they are all under imperial rule. Um which is quite the turnaround from every single thing Ellen has been trying to do this entire book. So this is actually, uh, I do want to bring this up because it was one of the things that uh, Adam emailed us about uh, in the past couple of days uh, was just that this is kind of a weird dynamic where, you know, from a modern Western reader perspective, I guess, this is kind of a weird arc where yeah. like the the characters that we like, Ellen and, and Vin and the rest of the crew are are installing themselves as govern as the ones who govern through power i'm hoping it's not allegorical yeah <laughs> i don't hoping know that, hoping that brandon sanderson is not advocating for junta i am viewing this knowing that this is the second book in a three book series um but yes i i, I pointed out a little bit last time of yeah it is kind of uncomfortable that vin just says you will bow down or I will kill you. That's that's mm-hmm. not a great thing for your protagonist to be doing. Um, so I, 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 I am giving Brandon the benefit of the doubt of assuming this kind of uncomfortable conclusion of the political storyline is intentional. Um, because, yeah, it's it certainly is strange. It does remind me of, for all of the shit that the Game of Thrones finale gets thrown at it, I do appreciate the realism of they're trying to figure out who the king should be at the end. And one character is like, we should start a democracy. Like the it's Sam, it's the super idealist one. And he basically gets laughed out of the room. Um, and then Tyrion goes, we should have it be a democracy, except it's just a democracy of the leading lords. They get to vote on who's king. Um, and kind of the realistic thing of like, yeah, in medieval times, they wouldn't even really consider a flat out democracy and kind of combining more idealistic ideas with the fact that it's still medieval times, um, I think right. was a surprisingly realistic way of handling how the um, political system would conclude. But in this book, like, they tried flat out democracy. And as we've shown, Skadriel, bad at democracy. Um, <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I'm interested to see if this goes anywhere, if this continues to be a point of discussion of should this really be how things are run, even though it is keeping the peace and 
it's not as oppressive as the Lord Ruler, but in terms of structure, how different is this from the Lord Ruler if you are keeping the other kings in line by threatening to kill them if they don't? Yeah, but she's good. Yeah, but she's a good guy, though. She's he was good, bad. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. It is. She's the protagonist, okay? Right. <laughs> So yeah, we're we're definitely going to have to keep that in mind as, as we see what happens in in Hero of Ages. Uh, but in the meantime, um, this like like Elland having to deal with the whole world outside of Luthadel. Uh, some of the things they're talking about here is uh, Set has an agenda of of trying to regain control in his lands. Janarl uh, is uh, putting forth his own wants on where they should focus their strength and it wasn't something that uh, ellen's government ever really had to deal with because there were enough problems in luthadel and problems coming to luthadel but if this is the the leadership of skidriel it's something they have to to think about i, I jotted up a primer of who wants what in this group <laughs> Nice little flow chart. Yeah. We got Set, who wants his land back. Wants his we got Janarl, who wants to stabilize the region they control before moving elsewhere. AKA, fuck you, let's take mine back first. <laughs> uh, then we got Penrod, who wants to rebuild Luthadel. And then we got Sazed, who wants these fuckers to shut up and quit bugging him. <laughs> <laughs> In short, everyone wants what's good for them personally. Yes. Yeah. I do appreciate uh, Janarl for having uh, a very realistic take that he is willing to also just say out loud, uh, which is that uh, surviving the next 10 years is going to depend heavily on my not ending up dead on the end of that Mistborn girl's knife. <laughs> which, not a great place for a government, but, like, it's cool because Vin's our hero. Yeah. She's the protagonist. She's the protagonist. And then Janarl sips his tea and continues with the conversation. <laughs> I love that he's having tea. Like... There's a lot of focus on Janarl drinking tea, and I do enjoy it. It it's, feels so strange, because this is Straff's camp, where you expect, like, weird brutality and clout and what it's... He's just, like, kind of a chill guy drinking some tea so far. No one's poisoning my tea, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> like, his energy in Straff's army was directed towards, you know, conquering and, and rule and all that. But Janarl does seem like a fairly level-headed, competent person. <laughs> How refreshing. Yeah. Much like his tea. Oh. I'm also, I'm clearly going to have to recast him, because I, I, I figure that unless he gets murked in chapter one, <laughs> we're going to see a bit more of Janarl. <laughs> Uh, coming up, so I have to give him a bigger name. With, with apologies to who did I put? Troy Mundell. Troy Mundell was your your pick. <laughs> I gotta gotta get someone more star power. This is an aspect of adaptation where I have I have a I have a feeling where if it's not done well, Janarl could show up in this scene, and a lot of people watching would go, "Who the fuck is this guy? What? Where? <laughs> what? Like." Because he's probably not going to be in the same armor he was wearing when he was right. with Straff. We've only seen him in like two other scenes. I think there's a very decent chance people would not even recognize this is the same person that was at Straff's camp. Um, unless they do a good job of like 
making sure he's in the background. He's a couple. They they should probably give him a few more lines um, and some strap scenes uh, if they adapt this for screen, um, so that people aren't like, "Who are you?" <laughs> they had I'm a Gennaro. few scenes where Straff was like, "I'm gonna burn the city down now," and Janaro was there like, "Can we not?" <laughs> yeah, that's true. So as we close this scene here, one of the things that's heaviest on Sazed's mind is that uh, Vin is still recovering. We did find out in the Elend section that it has been a week since the battle started, which is much longer than I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Vin, uh, as Sazed said, it it does seem like on top of the, the pewter drag that she did to get to Luthadel and fight... She's also just been kind of running on pewter for months now. Uh, and so now that things aren't imminently collapsing, she has been unconscious for a- about a week straight. Which is not good for a body. Probably not. <laughs> uh, very quickly, we check in with the the traveling crew. Uh, we see that Ash was falling. Ah, <laughs> where was it falling from, Brandon? <laughs> he said it wrong. The trees. <laughs> so they have, uh, they've made it just about to Luthadel. Uh, they've noticed that the Kolos are just there outside the city, which is definitely a strange sight. And Spook manages to identify that the the Ellen Venture banner still flies, which is decidedly a shock. And they are going to uh, just kind of sneak into the city and figure out what's happening. A detail I do love is it's it goes, Ellen smiles, and then he thinks, this could be a very big trap. Anyways, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do now? I know. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. It's just, it was just a very funny detail. We also do get another mention of Spook having overly sensitive Alamancer's eyes, which... I do believe, like, I believe you when we will find out fairly early on in Hero of Ages where this is going. But it is wild to me that it has this much emphasis in this book and within the book goes nowhere. It's, mm-hmm. they, they're really laying it on thick. <laughs> Something weird's happening with Spook. Anyway. Ooh. So after that uh, brief stop in with them, uh, we have Sazed by himself without the the other leaders to deal with. And he's in a, a pretty rough state. You know, this has this has really shaken him, both from a a, a personal, um, you know, romantic perspective with with losing Tindwall, uh, but also just his faith is is really impacted here, and it hurts because I like Sazed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, poor guy. <laughs> I mean, a lot happened in the last book, but this just broke him. You can really- yeah tell yeah which is it makes it feel especially jarring like he's been such a steady presence throughout all of this so to see that sort of core rock or anchor or what have you get just utterly broken down over the course of a book it hurts yeah but yeah here he is looking through everything in the room looking at a few scattered pages a pile of strange metal nails taken from Coloss bodies and one manuscript. Wait, what was that about the nails? Don't worry about that. It's not important, I'm sure. <laughs> Move on. Don't worry about it. There's a manuscript to look at. There's a manuscript we well, gotta and, look at. And to be fair, there actually is. Like, this is yes. the point where Sazed <laughs> yeah. starts to put together 
that the manuscript might be wrong or that there's something going on with this manuscript. And these are things that uh, in the past two episodes, you know, we've uh, we've had some theorizing about. Uh, you know, Sazed is, is cross-referencing some of the research they were doing and trying to figure out, is Olendi tall? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are a few de- details here that I really like. Um, Sazed wondering if... Uh... What is it? The the pain of remembering or the pain of forgetting is more painful. Um, this is a really poignant detail. And then another detail I think is a little bit funny is he's describing the frantically, almost desperately scribbled manuscript. Next paragraph. Tindrel had a firm yet beautiful script and says it had his, his own more reserved hand. It's like, that doesn't sound very desperate or frantic, but okay. <laughs> so some of the other things that, uh, that says it notices... Uh, this is one that really stuck out to me uh, on the reread uh, was when Quan says that he is being referred to as the Holy First Witness, mm-hmm. uh, which is not what the epigraphs say, but it is what the uh, the survivorists have started calling Sazed. Yeah, that was a detail that I like whatever whatever's revising all this i wish we had an official name for it um but um the thing doing the revising that almost feels way too on the nose like i i figured Sazed would find out here oh these texts are being messed with but instead he's just like huh i can't believe i didn't notice that um right he thinks it's the other way around he thinks they have started using one of the titles from the prophecies right um but yeah, it's it's so on the nose that it's like it's a it is a risky thing to be making changes this big. I feel like I literally wrote in my notes that one's pretty on the nose. Yeah, Caleb and I are of one mind. We're we're becoming the same. I fear for the combined <laughs> theorizing power. <laughs> uh, but fortunately. Uh, Vin has has recovered enough to to get up and and join Sazed here, uh, and she knows what it says on the cover of the book, which is the Well of Ascension, which is that we still have one important thing to deal with: the Well of Ascension. <laughs> oh yeah, that. Uh, because she is experiencing the uh, the worst bits of the uh, prophesied hero part. Uh, which is this kind of all-encompassing elementic pulsing in her head. And so knows that there is still something to, to be done and that she needs to go find the well. Yeah, starting from when she wakes up to the end of the book, pretty much, Vin's really creepy. <laughs> she is. She's real creepy here. I, I kind of love it for her, but just like, it, oh, I, I can still hear it in my head. It's here in the city. Come, the power awaits. <laughs> Girl? Do you see the well with us in the room right now, Vin? <laughs> no, I hear it. I was very clear. I think we've all been delusionally tired before. <laughs> this, She is delusionally tired right now. Presumably. That's probably part of it. Sometimes I make my nickname in this little podcast recording thing, Bent which comes from when I was so tired that instead of writing my name, which is Beth, I did write Bent at the top of my homework one day. <laughs> I remember that. 
So yes, <laughs> I understand. But even in the the state that she's in, uh, Vin has thinks she's made a realization, uh, which is how do you move a well? Uh, the answer is have omnipotent power. At which point, moving a well would probably be trivial. Mm. In fact, from her theory, it's not even that. It's That's how true. do you move a well? You don't. You move everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a wild revelation um, that technically makes my theory wrong. But um, my my thought was, okay, we saw the Lord Ruler and he was really powerful. I don't know if he could do this. Um, so that's another like little question mark to add to the list um, that we do actually get in some form and answer on later on of how is that actually possible? Um, we, we do find out a little bit about how the Well of Ascension powers work. Um, but yeah, that was one that, that was a detail of like, didn't didn't guess that. But oh boy, that's that's a pretty good kind of it, it just makes you rethink makes you rethink the map itself. I mean, like, what are we even looking at now? And it's it made me. This was the first point where I realized here. Oh, you know. Oh boy, uh, we're about to cross a threshold that you can't uncross. Like the, the people can believe in whatever deity they want. Religion exists everywhere, but like this is like God plus <laughs> right. It's like literally is that a omniscient... subscription service. God plus. <laughs> God plus. This is omniscient, omnipotent God who can do whatever he wants at the snap of a finger. Yeah. <laughs> More powerful than the Infinity Stones. <laughs> oh. This is like the Guardians of the Galaxy of of, uh, <laughs> of of this. Like, what do you mean there's space? I thought we were talking about a guy who, who got, like, injected with stuff and became super strong and a guy who made a robot suit. And now we're in space. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, sorry. Hang on. Of all the guardians <laughs> to pick, you were like, yeah, the raccoon's the one that's really out there in terms of we're no longer on the planet Earth because there's a raccoon now. <laughs> well, it feels like it's it feels like it's like mocking the 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 viewer. Like if you didn't know a thing about, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is an established franchise that's been around for at least since the 80s. Um, but if you had no idea this existed, you'd be like, what the fuck? Now you're just making fun of me. There's a talking raccoon in space. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. You know, Marvel's great, and they knew when to do this, and it looks like Brandon kind of knew where to kick things into overdrive here. But this is a turning point. Like, this is like... After finishing the book, I did kind of have the, like, rethinking over everything in Final Empire and being like, yeah, they talked about Lord Ruler as a deity and as this godly being, but that book was still about planning a heist and storming yeah. the castle, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much as, like, crazy as it got. And we just got little hints of there being more to the lore and mythology of everything. And yeah, here we are, and it's about to get real mystical real quick. Yeah, um, I'm going to be, it, it's going to be quite an experience for, for Beth and I when we get to, uh, for example, the Way of Kings, uh, because this happens, this is a thing that Brandon likes to do of, of 
escalate the stakes and the power involved as a series goes on. Uh, and so when we get to our first Stormlight book, where we're starting from the baseline on Roshar, uh, it is drastic, the contrast between where we start and where we are waiting for, for book five now. Yes. Mm. It's also funny. We will get scenes later on where, like, more... Nope, we won't, because the Kimball-bound train has to go. We'll be back in a second. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 After a word do, from our sponsors, godplus.com. <laughs> now, at only $13 Can I register a month, that one? can you experience <laughs> the premium god experience. Can you put Check. plus signs in a URL? Uh, okay, good news. Godplus.com, like spelled out with the words, is for sale. Bad news, it costs $4,000. Okay. Oh, that's no! Why we, that's why we need your help, listeners. The first $10... <laughs> okay, now to I need donate to donate to this our whole cause. Thing. I was going to say. <laughs> to donate to godplus.com. You have heard of a, 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 a pay-to-play system. We would like to introduce you to our new pay-to-pray system. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh... What was I saying? <laughs> uh, you were saying something about the the scope and scale of the story changing over time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, later on, we will get books and scenes where like more cosmically aware characters interact with less cosmically aware characters. And it's generally played for laughs of, of you know, by that point, the reader falls into the more aware category as well. And I feel like that is also what this podcast is. <laughs> I think one of my favorite ones of that was in The Lost Metal when one of these characters is looking at another like across the way and says something like, I don't know if I'm following him or he's following me. <laughs> and the, the characters who, who aren't involved are, are saying, what are you talking about? He's just a guy. But it's, it is a very strange meeting. But yes, we are, we're seeing things escalate just in these last couple of chapters here. But we will need to take a, a brief wait from Vin and her ominous speakings. Uh, because Elland has returned. The king is here. Which I, I am just kind of amused by the ending line of that paragraph being Vin leapt out the window. She self-defenestrates. Very good way to end the, the section. I do like the... It's almost a running joke of... Mistborn being just obnoxious in the way that they interact with their environment where like they never sit right they're always posing on things they're entering and exiting through the window all the time and and people who can't do that are just looking at them going could you not is Ellen gonna do that now <laughs> Ellen's be... gonna start sitting on chairs backwards um, I, I have always enjoyed the, the, I, I don't know if it's technically a trope, but the, the idea of like a character learning some type of information and just immediately, uh, like almost on instinct moving or running away or running out of the room or something. Um, I don't know. It's a very specific thing. One of the funniest moments in she is a moment where, uh, for me, one of the funniest for me is 
there's a character like trying to list off everyone's weaknesses to point out that they need to work on them and she's like entrapta's weakness is tech and she picks up a piece of technology and like throws it into the other room and entrapta with no uh hesitation at all just runs towards the piece of technology like it's a dog going after a frisbee (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking of that one scene in scott pilgrim where scott just hurls himself out the window (laughs) oh he just left (laughs) back in well of ascension back with this other protagonist throwing herself out the window right uh this is i guess the the culmination of bad at democracy uh because ellen has returned vin is reunited with him it's a it's a lovely like i I don't mean to joke this is a, a wonderful reunion uh but also vin says i think i did something bad i made you emperor and and he's okay with it hmm it is it's kind of a creepy reunion because it starts with Vin just standing in the dark city streets and Ellen has to strain to see her. Like, is that shadow in front of me Vin? Or like Didn't a there murderer? Is that too. Or like, Technically, those are both true. That is both true. <laughs> and it's about, you know, five lines from each of them of reunion. And then she's right back to, I have things that need to be done. Gotta go. Yeah. Vin suddenly declares herself the protagonist of a Silent Hill game. And just yeah, into the, into the into mists the mist. I go. Um, it's yeah, it's it's a little funny, it's a little creepy, but I think I mentioned last episode. Like, I wonder what the urgency is going to be, and there is something a little bit unsettling. Of the urgency is just Vin feels a need to go right away. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little it's a little spooky. Um, the readers also uh, have their own lovely reunion of uh, getting to once more see the true survivor Ham in this scene, which is nice. Ham is there. He is alive. He he made it through on the power of, of his pewter and continues to be not dead. As he never will be. This whole section is kind of like Vin is getting FOMO'd. Like, fear of missing outed. Uh, you know, just because there's only, like, five of those left and you have it in your cart doesn't mean you need to buy it right now like you know where it is the deepness is like still encroaching and whatever but you have time to think things through in in slight fairness if the items in your shopping cart gave you a constant migraine until you hit the buy button i i I think you might be more compelled to take care of that sooner rather than later well, you know, when I got my my 3080, that was how I felt. Yeah. Gave me a constant headache. Your what? A new graphics card. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was actually as you were saying that, I was I was typing a musing to Beth in our spoiler channel uh because uh and and we'll learn more about this because we learn shockingly little at the end of this book. Uh, there is like a a timeline that's running behind the scenes uh, in terms of like why Vin feels this especially now and all that. And I don't know like where this is on that timeline and how much time she actually does have. Mm. But she does seem to be the only one who is on this this timeline of I need to go do this thing right now. But it's it's urgent and it's right now, but it's still this creepy, implacable walk through the city. Like, she's not running. She's not jumping about. She's just walking. She's so creepy. 
Oh, oh, oh. Uh, one thing that I really wanted to point out here. Uh, when Ellen says, yeah, I think I'll accept that the people want a dictatorship, uh, referring back to episode eight of this book, uh, that was my, not an actual prediction, but I'm mad. It was. <laughs> and it came true. Uh, I believe I, I have this listed as uh, dictators. What's up with that? Uh, what I wrote down to say for it was... Uh... Yep. Uh, so what I actually said for it uh, was, Ellen will give the people what they so badly want and take absolute power. The people long for subjugation. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So as the uh, weird, creepy things are happening with Vin, uh, there's weird, unexplained things happening with Sazed as he has found yet another torn piece of the writings that has yet again the same bit of the the prophecy on it uh which this one reads alendi must not reach the well of ascension for he must not be allowed to take the power for himself and says it asks why would kwan be so worried about alendi taking the power for himself and that's a very good question next question very, very good question <laughs> interesting interesting i wonder if says it's ever considered that maybe he has a carbon monoxide problem <laughs> I'm reminded of that Reddit post where that the person found, wild. like, post-it notes. Okay, for anyone who hasn't seen this, there was somebody who, who posted on Reddit asking for... I don't remember what type of advice they were asking for. It might have been legal advice. I think it was legal of advice, yeah. someone is breaking into my apartment and leaving... Rearranging things and leaving mysterious notes to me. Uh, and I, like, I can't get them on camera. And they... They get in even when I lock the door and, you know, what do I do? Do I talk to my landlord? Do I call, like, how do I talk to the police? Uh, and someone in this thread says, you should buy a carbon monoxide detector. And the answer was, there was a massive gas leak or something. And she had been suffering low-grade CO toxicity for months and oh, was God. hallucinating and losing her memory. It was crazy. That's, that's yeah. not only is that fucked up, but I think I don't know if it's specifically carbon monoxide, but I think that's also like a lot of people talk about like there are so many stories of those old haunted Victorian houses where the yeah. the, the lady who lived alone went insane over the years. And it turns out it's because the ventilation in those buildings are absolute shit and they were getting hallucinations on account of like ventilation problems. Right. Vibrating and pipes. Yeah, or, you know, when they were burning gas indoors for light. Yeah. yeah. And then you move you move to the sea and you feel much better. It's because you got some fresh air. Yeah, that's all you need. Technically, that's true. So, returning from that, we get more creepy Vin, uh, who is now going to a creepy place to match the mood, uh, because she is once again returning to Kreedic Shaw. Uh, I think this might be peak creepy Vin. Uh, is that when Ellen notices that the mists are doing something strange uh, and she says, they're guiding me. Uh, and he says, no, it looks like they're pulling away from you. And then she goes, this feels right. It's, yeah, it's, it's spooky. <laughs> um, uh, also, the slight detail of describing Credit Shaw as spires like massive spikes judged from the ground and off-balance pattern reaching accusingly toward the stars above was a fantastic description that I really loved. Hmm. That is a good one. It's unfortunate that 
because of the ash and the mists, uh, you know, we, we see it way back when when Vin first gets access to Tin and, and Kelsier is teaching her, uh, seeing the stars and the sky is like not a thing that happens very often. Yeah. Yeah, I want a scene where Vin like stares wistfully at the moon. Have we seen the moon? What moon? We can't make the moon hypothetical too. (laughs) Hypothetical moon. (laughs) (sighs) Something will not be hypothetical in a very short amount of time. Uh, Yeah, I'm going back through the prediction sheet because I know it's on here somewhere and I'm trying to find when it was of uh, this particular room in Kritik Shaw and the, the designs on the walls, the metal inlays, the way that this is all arranged. uh, And Vin realizes that some of these inlays aren't just decorative uh, and they are an alimantic old fashioned, like mysterious tomb door that (laughs) with, with the aid of Duralumin and pewter and immense amounts of, of steel uh, or iron in this case, uh, she is able to, to pull this gigantic secret door open and they find what is below Kreedic Shaw. I think that's a point for Caleb. We have in Caleb's prediction column, quote, the inlay thing in Kreedic Shaw. Aha, yes, there it is. Well, there is that. And then there is also, I believe, I was a little bit wrong because I really put too much focus on the the shack. I thought it was the building within the building itself where it, where it was just the room. Um but the pretty sure the very first time we came into this room in Final Empire was when I made my first prediction that Luthadel itself was built around this one room. Yeah, the shack itself does actually seem to be just a place that the Lord Ruler liked to be. Yeah. Uh, but it it is looking more and more like that this spot in the ground was the important part and everything else comes around it. We jump back to Sazed, and the the characters and the POVs are getting more and more frantic here. Uh, as Sazed is is figuring is trying to figure out, uh, he's going over the whole transcription again, trying to see what's wrong, uh, and is suddenly interrupted by the Mist Spirit again, who is frustratingly unable to communicate what it is trying to say uh, but eventually uh, also aided by the fact that somebody suddenly screams outside Sazed uh, realizes that there's something going on and he needs to be somewhere else and heads out yeah there's a there's a point where Sazed thinks that it might be like Tindwell's ghost or something um, but we do get a very, very important detail about the Miss Spirit, which is that it is not tall. <gasps> so is, it? is it? It's not a Lendy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you talk about the viewpoints getting more and more frantic, and I feel like I am thinking back, oh, I'm just bringing in Game of Thrones a lot today. Uh, it's a very <laughs> good sequence in Game of Thrones um, in which uh, there is a like seven-minute song playing throughout it, um, that starts off very eerie but calm and then grows more and more and, and uh, more and more intense um, as the events on screen get more and more intense. Um, 
I could very much see a similar thing happening here of I, I, I want the composer to go nuts with this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. And I just want like, I want the booming uh, that Vin is hearing to be like part of the soundtrack. Absolutely. And like, oh, yes. the, the pacing is growing more and more as Sazed is finding out stuff and the, the people in Credit Shaw are finding out stuff and there's more and more stuff happening and it just slowly builds up to what's coming. I feel like this would be a, a good time for the music to really go all out. Like the Hall of the Mountain King, but maybe a little... The Well of the... For anyone who has played the game The Witness, that song evokes an immediate visceral reaction. Real, that's interesting. Witness is on my list of, of games I really want to play, but it I have no so idea. It is so good. Look is... up nothing else about it. I know. That's what, I'm tro- that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I, sh- I, should, I should go into it as clean as possible, and I'm trying to. Also, you and I are going to have to talk about it when you do. All right. <laughs> I love that game. Also, John Blow is a pompous asshole, and you can ignore a lot of the things that he's saying. But <laughs> that's what—that's what I've heard. It, it's to the it, from what I've heard, it's to the point that I don't want to give him any more money. But I've already bought the game, so it's too late to change that. So I might as well play it. You can hold conflicting truths simultaneously. It's okay. Yes, I contain multitudes. All right, we will have to put that on the long episode or the long list of hypothetical bonus episodes. <laughs> As we proceed to witness what happens next. <laughs> I already own the game somehow. It's weird. Anyway. <laughs> I, I did not buy that game. I think it must have been on a Humble Bundle. I think it was mm. at some point. Like years ago. Either that or like I got an extra key and just gave it to you. Something like that. I mean, we could do an April Fool's episode. Caleb and I have both not played it. We both have it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Now you're giving me ideas. Anyway, uh, let's go back to this character, the Holy First Witness. There, nailed it. Mm, they're good. Hey. Except that we're ending the section with him and going back to... Forget about him. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, they find this enormous underground cavern uh, that is not just like a cave. This is an actual structure uh, that features, among other things non-hypothetical cans with non-hypothetical food in the cans do we know there's non-hypothetical food they don't i don't know if they actually open any so, of these cans hold on let me let me just point out something here for the reader of our listener a fun little historical fact for you the can opener was invented 50 years after the can <laughs> How long ago? How long ago in the universe of this book were cans invented? Remind me. Fairly recently, they they note that Set's cannery is a very new innovation. Exactly. So they can't open the cans yet. <laughs> Era two uh, revolves entirely around the invention of the can opener. Um, I, I do want to point out the uh, uh, not to spoil any of the fun. A can is very easily openable with a standard knife, if you know what you're doing. And that was, well, apparently, because I looked this up when Sam mentioned it, because I vaguely remembered a similar fact, and we had to get our facts straight. Uh, The original cans were quite a bit bulkier, uh, given that they were made out of iron and then tin-lined. And so you would open them with a hammer and a chisel. Ah, (laughs) yeah, yes. Well, that's how you open paint cans still, isn't it? Uh, you just get a, a church key and pry them open. Okay. I prefer yep. hammer and chisel just because it's funner. But that's I mean, you do you, but I I can then close the can. 
No, just use all the paint. Just find other things to paint until you run out of paint. <laughs> just <obviously>. keep going. <laughs> just, just keep paint. it going. Leave no um, trace of paint remaining. We also have Spook yelling out a specific line that I don't care what his accent is for the rest of the entire series, but I really want this one to be delivered like a chimney sweep in Mary Poppins of, there's food down here, cans and cans of it. Cans of it, Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is, that's one of the things that's down here uh, in in this weird structure that's down here uh there's also another giant metal plaque on the wall uh this one featuring uh what appears to be an engraved map of the final empire uh with one city suspiciously circled and then vin says i don't care let's go he says look at the map please look at the map more (sighs) brandon just shotgunning us with lore while I'm trying to, like, my brain is like, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on. F- more stuff going on. And he's just like, more and more mm-hmm. <laughs> shit going on that you need to pay attention to. There's a lot of literary edging is what I would term it, of more lore, but we don't get any answers on it. More questions that we don't get any answers to. This was around the time I figured out the epigraphs were going to lead to the uh, big reveal happening right as Vin like actually gets the well powers um and the epigraphs start to really stretch uh that out so that Mm -hmm. the timing can work our our next our next chapter epigraph features half of a sentence and then an ellipsis (laughs) yeah um and then we also it's even like specifically like saying hey look it's gonna be the adium it's here it is uh no it's just the map don't worry about that gotta keep moving on um yeah, really, really just keeping up the tension for as long as possible. Yeah, especially thinking back to what we were saying earlier about how the final empire is more or less contained. And the last section of that book is like a, a fair number of pages of relationship progress. And like Vin says it and Marsh sit on a roof and talk about the lore for a while. <laughs> hey, what the fuck was how did how the fuck did the Lord Ruler work? Uh, well, I, well, there's kind it, of an expert, uh, you know, yeah, it sort of makes sense when you think about it. Look at this diagram. And now it's just like, new fact, new fact, new thing, new thing. Oh, we're walking past all of it. No, there's no Don't time. Worry it about has to it. go. Yeah. And we cut immediately from there back to Sazed, who is at this point now running through the streets, trying to, to find what's happening. Uh, he's being led allomantically uh by the mist spirit uh who is is convincing him to follow uh and as he's going by uh he sees uh someone who has been attacked by the mist in the way that he saw way out in the uh the far parts of the empire back near the beginning of the book can i point something out here real quick you absolutely Uh, can here, so refer. We're we're right now on page seven thirty three, uh, of our paperback here. Refer to page seven hundred thirteen, for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, this the second paragraph on that page, Alamancy, He thought it's pulling on my emotions, and then page seven thirty three, Sazed thinks, Alamancy, He thought pulling on my emotions. <laughs> 
almost say almost the same thing, almost word for word. Both italicized thoughts. And then both of them go, ah, no time to worry about that. Okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the same resolution. That's how you know it's the same Miss Spirit. <laughs> it's a metaphor for Ellen's newfound confidence. He got exclamation points while, while Stazed is still stuck with question marks. I feel like Stazed would have had an exclamation point earlier in the book, but now it's only question marks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about there's no like rhyme or reason to who's being killed by the mists, but we do get confirmation that it is a man. And it could, we don't know for sure, could be an old man. So, so far, there's a chance that all of the victims we've seen so far have been old men. <laughs> well, we don't know if they're old, but we do know that they're old. <laughs> there's old Jed and old Jell. It's true. So, it could be old, yeah. This guy was old Jeff, but we didn't have time to learn that information. <laughs> That's the the unifying factor is if you become that kind of person in the community that gets referred to as, you know, old Bob or whatever, then it's out to get you. It's it's all and then your name starts with a just sound. It's honestly wild that in the epilogue they say they can't figure out what the pattern is because it's very obvious. Wouldn't this be <laughs> old Jet? Because the first is old Jed and then the next is old Joe and that's eight letters <laughs> later, the L. So you go eight letters after L, and you got T, so it's old Jet. All right, it's old Jet, my bad. I am amazed and applauding that you did that math. That's perfect. We gotta, we gotta, I did it in my hands, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not that good. But, but I did calculate, you know, patterns. There was dead ass a, like, leading stage manager in Chicago who went by old Joe. <laughs> He's, He's next. He has to stay inside. No. no, I have to warn him. I think we are attempting to distract ourselves from the end of this book. <laughs> so Cezid does follow uh, the mist spirit uh, all the way uh, into Creative Shaw, into this mysterious uh, room uh, where we meet an old friend. Uh showing up for the first time since beginning of part two, I think. Marsh is here. The little inky boy himself. The little inky mm. boy. I was right that the inky boy in Critic Shaw was our, our, our friendly Marsh. I do truly, truly appreciate that Marsh's, or Sazed's first question isn't, what are you doing here? It's, where have you been? Yeah. <laughs> And which Marsh is not going to answer. Uh, he wants to know what Sazed is going to do. Uh, when the answer turns out to be help the hero of our book, uh, Marsh says that that can't happen. And he attacks Sazed. And the chapter ends. Not everyone's favorite inky boy. No, he's oh. lost in the sauce. No. Turns out being an Inquisitor might be bad for you. Maybe. What? It also, it does say he lifts a hand in order to do the allomantic push. It's been established you don't need to do that, right? You sure don't. <laughs> it is pure drama because he is Kelsier's brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's right? true. Runs in the true. family. Yeah, Alamancer's, I feel like Alamancer's baseline are all dramatic bitches. But <laughs> if you're part of the Kelsier family... 
I also found and can do the quick math. Um, uh, Marsh's last appearance was on page 145, which means it's been 590 pages since we've last seen Marsh. What has he been up to? Right at the beginning when y'all were still on the most of this book, we'll be traveling in the mountains. And Marsh will definitely be a part of that traveling party. It was like amazing. Yeah. I've never been more wrong. <laughs> Every word of what you just said. You are my brother, Marsh. <laughs> I was so looking forward to getting to know him, hanging out. He's spooky, but he's misunderstood. I mean, he doesn't die at the end of this book you've still got more time to hang out with him <laughs> if i really want to he still has giant spikes through his eyes but he's still here <laughs> one's a little further in than the other yeah on to our second last chapter though we do have an epilogue as well uh and this is this is the point where the epigraphs are now being arranged for maximum drama because we get Alendi must not reach the well of ascension, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and we'll get back to that. Uh, a brief moment to see uh, what they are discovering in the cavern down below, uh, which is uh, one room of this cave that is just full of this, this ugly black smoke that is just kind of contained in there. Vin goes right through it. And then we get back to the fight that's happening upstairs. I am very curious if the smoke will end up being important because it's it feels like an odd thing to have in at this point in the book. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm curious. Why not have it be important? Just <laughs> throw on all the important shit, Brandon. I, I <laughs> my brain can't do all this stuff at once. Ugh. <laughs> uh... I'm trying to pay attention to the 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 the, the well of ascension and the, the and now ah. So while that's happening, uh, let's have a uh, a fair chemist and an inquisitor fight each other. Yeah. Hey, before we get too far into it, let me just say this was far and away my favorite uh, fight in the entire book and maybe the series so far. This scene fucks. It's, it's really pretty cool. cool. It's pretty cool. It's really cool. Uh, it starts very badly for Sazed, who was not prepared for a fight, much less one against an Inquisitor. Uh, Marsh is disconcertingly apologetic as he tries to kill Sazed. Uh, but the thing that turns the turns the fight uh, is that marsh used one of the nearest sources of metal as a projectile to shoot at sazed uh, which turns out to be his collection of metal mines of his rings uh, which you need to be touching to use them as a metal mind and when they get shot into your body that counts as touching counts. <laughs> so we've got it guys scent is gonna save the fucking day let's go <laughs> I I worry that this will this scene will fuel bad habits of like we're at the final boss but I still can't use all of my elixirs what if I need them later I have I have written in my notes when it when when Caesar starts to use it and it mentions that his bones are re-knitting themselves I wrote in my notes I'm never using my potions again <laughs> 
because they might be important later. <laughs> you never know if the secret boss after the final boss is going to be even harder. It's true. We also have Seiza thinking to himself, I've failed, though I know not at what, which is how I feel after I've done an attack on Titan Brain and then I start reading the next section of the book. <laughs> yeah. But right as uh, that part of the fight is now gearing up with Seiza now having access to his, his fair chemical powers, uh, we are going to swap over to the one person involved in this whole scene who is the most over their head, uh, perhaps not also spook, but we don't get a spook POV here. Uh, but Elland is decidedly out of his depths here. And I feel bad for him. Before we go away too quick, I also, say Sid's line about, I did not realize those spikes stole a man's soul as well as his eyes. It's a good line, but also like, say Sid, you can tell he's not really into this. He apologized like three times and he seems genuine <laughs> about it. Like, it's it doesn't feel like it's really his fault man <laughs> i mean fault or not he is trying to kill Sazed. yes but saying oh you have no soul because you're trying to kill me is I, you know it's trash talk in the middle of a fight so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it's it's bad but it seemed a little harsh that might be fair so ellen is trying to to work through what they are finding uh in this cavern and it is it's confusing and terrifying and all he can really do is trust vin here which might be i think what he needs to do uh, because as they get to kind of the end of this chamber uh, and they find the actual well of ascension uh, vin has a moment where she doesn't know she's found it she she's followed the the feeling here but isn't quite sure whether she actually needs to do the thing that that she's feeling comes next and ellen is is there for her we get a great callback your eyes are beautiful which is in or amongst the first lines of ellen in this book when he's chilling out with vin in the room and she's all worried and he says your eyes are beautiful yeah i i do like the two of them and you know we were we were joking about how it's okay that vin is enabling the 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 tyranny of the the kingdom now because she's the protagonist uh but on a kind of more serious note she's wondering the lord ruler was the last person to hold this power and look what happened to him and the things that he did uh and Ellen, Ellen doesn't say that it's it's okay because she's the protagonist, but he does say that she's a good person and he trusts her and he trusts that uh, the things that she will do will be for the good of the world. And I'm sure that will all be fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We get a description of this chamber that the Will of Ascension is in. And one specific thing that I really loved was um, stalactites forming pillars that were spaced far too evenly to be random. I don't know, but like just the image of natural phenomenon being placed in an unnatural way um, is really interesting to me. I just think that's a really cool... It, it sells the really eerie vibe of this is 
this this place was made with intentionality despite the fact that it's also very mystical and like no no mortal man could have created this um <laughs> yeah i just think it's really cool yeah that is i do like that uh even though it is the opposite of an underground cave it reminded me a bit of like devil's tower and what it would have been like to see it for the first time if you'd never seen it in your life before and nobody described it or whatever, you know, like the first, like Lewis and Clark, I don't know if they actually saw it, but you know, that kind of gist of like, what the fuck is this? How is this an actual place that just happened on the planet? Yeah. Like weird hexagonal columns consisting of like what i actually do believe i remember the um uh indigenous myth about devil's tower which is that um a woman and probably her baby were being was being chased by bears um and she prayed and they uh the gods or spirits lifted up a platform out of the earth um to carry her upwards to safety and the bears were clawing at it as it was um, raising up, and that's why there's a bunch of ridges on the side of it. Um, that's rad. I always, yeah, I always really like that myth. In the end of this segment, before we go back to the fight, uh, we get another unexplained lore tidbit that we'll just have to get back to later, uh, which is these mysterious pieces of of metal that look a little bit like ATM but are not quite the right color. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if those are going to be important. Anyway. I can't do Just off to the side. (laughs) I feel like I'm going through It's a Small World at like five times speed or something. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's horrifying. (laughs) Like, what what do you want me to glean from this? I... There's so much shit going on. What do you want from me? (laughs) The dramatic... Soundtrack with the Will of Ascension bass line pre- playing in my head, just increased speed tenfold. <laughs> uh, so, following that, we get the the bulk of the uh, Keeper versus Inquisitor fight, and yeah, this is this is super cool. It's it's like some of the Alimantic fights that we've seen, uh, some of the things that Marsh is doing. Uh, but it's also just a little bit different because Seiza does fight in a very different way. And it's very different than the last time we saw him fight, which was just brute strength against Kolos brute strength. Exactly. This is this is like the first time we've seen a Farukamist strategize for a fight. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah, because one of my one of my favorite parts about Alamancy is how every Alamantic fight is a physics problem. A, a constantly changing physics problem so to have to fight against that with like a whole new set of rules it's it's just dope yeah and yeah like if you think about like a physics equation it's like alamancers can change these eight variables and then the frukmas can basically change none of those variables but all of these other ones instead mm-hmm. um yeah. which yeah yeah no i like this fight a lot <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, a couple of times where Sazed takes advantage of the fact that uh, Ferrochemy scales way higher if you're willing to only use it for the tiniest amounts of time. Uh, where uh, he uses uh, Ferrochemical Speed, which he used earlier 
to just like speed walk all the way back to Luthadel from out in the the country where he was uh but in the micro scale in this fight uh he uses it to uh move at like a significant fraction of the speed of sound practically across this room <laughs> And then we also see a few times in this uh, scene how Farukami Iron, uh, being able to adjust your weight, is like the ultimate counter to steel pushing yeah. and iron pulling. Because yeah. you can just immediately fuck with any plan an Alamancer had about using those two skills. We we get some fun with that at a later point. We do. This is a, a good preview. Uh, unfortunately for how cool fair chemical fighting is uh marsh is about to win this fight uh you know sazed is is well holding his own but the rings that he had did only have a very small amount of of fair chemical charge and he's using them very quickly so as they start to run out he starts to lose his advantages and marsh does not uh, and so uh, very rapidly things start to go uh, not in Sazed's favor. Your scent, Sazed, use your scent. <laughs> uh, Marsh is joining Vin in being absolutely terrifyingly creepy now, uh, responding to Sazed saying that you're not a warrior uh, by saying that uh, I have spent the last two years killing very many people. Yeah, that's a new tidbit. Mm-hmm. Hadn't, that's weird. Heard that. Yep. And right as Sazed is uh, losing his his powers, losing this fight, uh, he is saved by a mysterious uh, third entrant into this fight that we will have to get back to later. Spoiler: It's Ham. Who could it be? <laughs> it's Ellen. <laughs> it's Ham, who is still not dead. <laughs> Still not dead. Lord Hammond, savior of the first holy witness of the false survivor, because the true survivor is, of course, Ham himself. <laughs> I will say, though, that in terms of Ham's survivability, entering a fight with an Inquisitor, not a great move. Hey, if you can one-shot him in one hit... It works out okay. <laughs> I really want... I want an animation of... You know, in Marvel vs. Capcom, you get, like, a team of fighters and you can, like, swap out at multiple points. Mm -hmm. I really want a, a scene of, like... Uh, uh, like, arcade mode, Marsh kicking Sazed's ass and right as Sazed falls over, it just swaps in and uh, Ham comes in and in one hit just takes down Marsh. I just <laughs> want to see that from a from an MVC perspective. Now I want to see if anybody has made a Mugen fighter for any they have to have misborn character that has to have been on salty bet come on let's go <laughs> i'll have to look that up later i could spend way too much time on that <laughs> uh, so yeah with the the last moments of that fight uh remaining uh inconclusive from what we can see uh, we return to the mysterious eldritch happenings underground uh, as the the mist spirit has now joined them uh, is trying to communicate one more time and then stabs Elland. what a putz 
it is a like knowing what the context is later on this scene is like really interesting and cool but it is very funny that ellen's like don't worry it's friendly it hey man me. how you doing stab immediately stabbed you <laughs> it's just like a oh there's a a part in a red letter media best of the worst they're they're reviewing a, a movie called roar which is where um it's a bunch of lions uh and uh tippy hedron and her husband ask, name is I don't this remember. the one that they yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i forgot this one something like 70 cast and crew members were injured during the filming of it um, what the fuck yeah they they filmed with real big cats and it was just with real lions <laughs> Oh yeah. oh no. <laughs> and uh and Mike Staclasa sums up the plot of it and he was like, Well, it, it's kind of like if, if it was um Nightmare on Elm Street, but the plot is uh Freddy's your friend, you know, and he's just he's just scary, he's just gonna run his nails across like pipes and things and, and you just think he's scary because he looks scary and he does scary things, but but he's just friendly. <laughs> you know, he's your friend. I believe the marketing for that movie proceeded to have the gall to be like, so many people were injured in this movie. You have to come see what all the fuss is about. Like that's like they used it as like a plus of like, this movie's so intense, guys. It was like the 50s. It's on the front cover. It was not the 50s. It was, it was like, like the, the 70s 80s. or the 80s. Yeah. Was it? No, but, uh, there's no way. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the front cover of the, the Blu-ray of it is uh, No Animals Were Harmed in the Making of This Movie. 70 cast and crew members were, or something like that. 1981? Are you shitting me? What the fuck? Yeah. It's insane. And I think they got shut down later. Oh, yeah, Thank no, yeah. God. Jesus yeah. Christ. Unreal. <laughs> I guess that did kind of happen with... Uh... Little Spider-Man turn off the dark the Spider-Man she, musical where everyone did. was like, you've got to go see it. Spider-Man keep call- falling from the sky. <laughs> Nearly dying. <laughs> I do need to go take a shot real quick since it has now been zero days since uh, Spider-Man turn off the dark was last mentioned by Beth in my presence. What? Listen, you got to know. <laughs> oh my good. I have to spin the good word. But yeah, Ellen gets gutted. Oh yeah, I was oh, yeah, <laughs> By everybody's favorite friendly Miss Spirit. <laughs> friendly neighborhood Miss Spirit. Hey. Good good transition back to Spider-Man turn off the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Go Justin quick before we keep going. No, no, I have more to say. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Okay. We we are switching POVs on a like paragraph to paragraph basis here. Uh we we now see who it was who saved uh Sazed. It was Ham. Uh Yay. who only has one good arm, but the other good arm is good enough to hit Marsh in the head really hard. Uh and it's a, a charming reunion, but Sazed does not have time to appreciate it as he needs to go find Vin as we return to Vin. Dazed, Sazed took the hand and climbed to his feet. It is it, it is something that works better when you hear them in two different pronunciations than it does on the page perhaps <laughs> i didn't even pick up on that uh but yeah down in the cavern uh vin is 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 now just holding ellen as he's bleeding is trying to figure out what she can possibly do about it and then realizes that there is this 
source of divine power. And if anything in this world could possibly save Ellen now, that's something that she could do. And she gets into the Well of Ascension. She goes. In these sections, there's also a very specific phrasing of, um, as she's cradling Ellen, it describes Ellen's blood on her hands, which was a, a good little double meaning there. Not that Ellen getting stabbed was actually her fault, but it's it's Vin. Like, that's her mindset. So Right. Sazed, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, we, we see just a couple of sentences uh, as he is now resuming rushing to, to get to Vin and tell her what he needs to, to say uh, and then realizes that it might be too late uh, as she begins to take up the power of the well. Which... This is a hell of an experience. Uh, it starts with her, like, almost drowning in this weird metallic liquid. Uh, the metals that she still has on her uh, start to hurt, and she has to get rid of those. Uh, it's now... She's now, like, burning metals with her entire body. Like, this is some crazy stuff that's happening. And... She has this power now. She could save Ellen. She could just make him not die. I'm curious to know if, if you know, because, uh, what was it? Uh, Ellen, Ellen, jeez. Brandon took inspiration for the, the, the fight at uh, Keep Hasting against, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what's his name? Sets Forces. Sets Forces, yep, um, from The Matrix. Uh, the Matrix also notably has a scene where uh, Neo dips his fingers into a mirror and it goes down his throat and everything and like when she screams and it enters her throat i was like Mm. sounds a lot like the matrix i was kind of picturing that weird semi-metal semi-liquid yep and speaking of influences it felt very lovecraftian to have a whole paragraph about like she wouldn't have been able to understand it but the powers also expanded her ability to understand things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of knowing the unknowable uh, is is always a, a fun little kind of unsettling thought. And so the things that that Vin is realizing is she does have the the power to save Ellen. Uh, she also has the the power to stop things that are happening out in the world. Things like the the mists attacking people. Uh, and there is a, a mysterious voice that is is trying to convince her one way or the other. And then she makes a decision, which is that she has to let the power go because that is, that's the prophecy. That's what she has to do. She can't let this this, I guess, selfish want to protect the one she loves be the thing that that changes the world. And she lets the power go, and something is released, and the chapter ends with, I am free. She heard a single Mm. distinct sentence in her mind. Hear me, subjects of Amir, this is the voice of Aaron Yeager. That was, that's a joke just for Jack. That one's for Jack. Um, (laughs) Your bespoke joke. My bespoke bespoke joke joke just for Jack. Um, Yeah. uh, Whoops. (laughs) Yup. That's... That's not what you were supposed to do. Uh-huh. As as we turn Oops, the page and see the final part of the epigraph, 
for he must not be allowed to release the thing that is imprisoned there. Hey. Thanks, Quan. Way to not ramble. Way to get right to the point. <laughs> Way to be very direct and very succinct in warning our heroes mm-hmm. of what is to come. Thanks, Quan, for taking so long to get to it. But also, well done, Sam. Uh, I don't know if I'm right or not. Because <laughs> I'm kind of right. I'm kind of not. I was not picturing like a, an ethereal spooky ghost um this reminds me almost literally the exact same thing uh maybe i told this story way back when we were talking about mistborn um or even like when we were just discussing this podcast as a concept but back in elementary school we were reading a book like a short story uh and it was about like a cave and uh in the cave there was this this horrible howling that came down to the village below and uh, the villagers were all freaked out by it, and somebody decided to be brave enough to go up, and we had a discussion before we figured out what the thing in the cave was, and the teacher was like, what's the thing in the cave? And the answer is, it's the wind. But me, I literally, I, I, you know, I went home and I drew a picture of what I thought it was, and it was this, like, giant eldritch creature of, of horrifying oh, statues. And the teacher saw it and was like, Sam, it's the wind. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like yours better. I know. I was not picturing, like, the equivalent of the wind, which is, you know, like an elemental thing beyond whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I was picturing a physical thing. Being physically imprisoned, but whatever. I'll take it. I'll. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Something was released, and we will have to figure out what that was, uh, because there's only a couple pages left of this book, and we're not going to get that answer. But we also get like more info on the world as um, Vin is becoming the ultimate life form. She mentions <laughs> how um, on this entire planet there was only life could only exist in a small little area at the poles, which is just like, that's just a world tidbit that we had no idea about. That's really interesting. Yeah. 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 Which way is North? I don't know anymore. Anyways, Ellen's dead. Yeah. Well, Ellen is, is dying. Uh, because we have, we have one final chapter. That's basically two pages long. Uh, and at, at this point, Vin has has basically broken down as, you know, Ellen is dying. I've doomed the world. Uh, what is there left to even, even care about? Uh, the mist spirit is still here, is still trying to help, question mark? Very hard to tell right now. Uh, and those mysterious pieces of pottery with the, the chips of metal are there. Uh, and Vin goes and gets one of them. The The spirit manages to communicate what has to happen. Vin takes this bit of metal, feeds it to Elland, gives him a one of her vials to wash it down, and he starts burning pewter. And that's the end of the book proper. Mm. <laughs> I had a very dark <laughs> thought with Vin saying, I have to get him something to wash it down. 
there is plenty of blood around. <laughs> there, How there could is. <laughs> Let me just gather your own blood into this bowl. <laughs> I mean, the other uh, liquid of any sort that was in this scene is now no longer there. That is true. And Vin can collect your earring again. Yeah, the, uh, the earring and the vials are retrieved. I got worried when she dropped the earring. I was like, oh no, that has to be important at some point. How is she going to drop the earring? And then it specified she grabbed the earring again. I was like, yes, that could still be important. <laughs> Someday she'll use it. But yeah, we we have an epilogue and it wraps up some things, but very much not others. Uh, because we do need our characters to now realize what we have with these epigraphs uh Sazed makes the journey back to the conventicle uh goes all the way back to the room that that he found way at the beginning of this book uh he reads the the etching all over again sees that anything not set in metal cannot be trusted and that the key differences are there uh Alendi should not have reached the well because he could not release the thing that was imprisoned there. And I, it's, it's such a sad line of he knew at that moment, he would never believe again. Yeah. That's pretty rough. (laughs) There are a few details in here that are worth noting. One is the fact that it's been two weeks, which I don't know exactly what I expected, but the thing being released, I kind of assumed would be like, all right, it's basically going to turn into apocalypse now. Like it's it's Mass Effect three time. It's it's happening. Like <laughs> immediate urgency all the time. And the fact that Sezed is just traveling two weeks later is like obviously things are still bad. I, I like that's very clear to me. Um, but just the idea of epilogue is two weeks later um, was in of itself kind of a shock to me. Of oh things are just kind of moving on a little bit. Um, and then we also get uh, a little detail that was never in any of the epigraphs because um, it would have given away the twist. But Quan specifically says, whatever is changing these things can change words within a Farukamist's metal mind, um, which is uh, a specific detail that had not necessarily been um, uh, proven yet. But then we also know it also can legitimately just change text itself because the original rubbings were altered as well. Um, so it apparently can do both of those things, um, which given that it's been released, that's probably the least of our worries now. But it is interesting <laughs> that it is able to do both of those things. Yeah, um, it is. It's it's not immediate, like you said, uh, but this has definitely shifted the kind of essence of this story now uh where uh you know final empire is at its core a heist well of ascension is primarily uh a political thriller uh hero of ages is an apocalypse story so we get a a very different take on this world starting now basically so get ready for more Mass Effect comparisons. Sure will be. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Is there going to be a scene where we fly something through a, a, a collapsing city or something? Like it is in every <laughs> Apocalypse movie? I mean, there's definitely some collapsing that happens. <laughs> I'll tell you, that thing getting out, not good for this planet. Are you Pretty sure? Bad. It seems like it's just, it's just happy to be free. Um... Uh, 
I will say it is particularly hilarious the entire conversation we had about the ash mounts not being listed correctly because the idea of these texts should be the same but we're finding discrepancies is a central plot point mm-hmm. in the book that <laughs> we experienced that on our own yeah, for something no, that, that legitimately was, was a mistake yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, the very last bit of the epilogue uh, is to offer a little bit of clarity on what did happen with Elland, uh, which is that he does now find himself a Mistborn. Uh, and Vin says, I think we may know where they came from. And uh, then Vin has a few moments to reflect on on what happened of... Uh, there was something that was being contained in the well. Vin could tell that it was some sort of terrible force and it is now free in the world. And the only thing that they can try to do is to try to survive. And there is the end of book two. I think it is worth pointing out that Sam has posted the Halo Reach current objective survive picture. Um, In which case, Things definitely don't look good for book three if that's the uh, a parallel being drawn. <laughs> no. I went back and forth on how I felt about Ellen being mistbornified after so much of his arc was, you know, about the can this relationship work when we're so different? She is a mistborn. I am not. And also the concept of this extremely powerful, slightly feral woman and her husband who is just some guy who drinks his respect my wife juice. <laughs> Great concept. However, I have come around to it because, one, I think we got just enough time of them being, like, happy together that this does not feel like the the solution to their relationship problems. And two, I think Ellen does get it. He deserves a turn to be a dramatic bitch. That is interesting because having not read any of Hero of Ages, that was the one aspect of the ending that I was like, I don't know if I love how that's going to change the dynamic. Uh, obviously, I, I should wait and see before I make any judgments, but I feel like it sounds to me like you were in a similar place where I currently am of, I don't know how I feel about that. I am also much more easily pleased just as a human. <laughs> so I, I think that's that true. you are, just, you are just correct to person. continue... You are correct to continue reserving judgment. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's it's very obvious that we have a lot of questions that are going to be uh, heading into the next book. Uh, but I think we're going to save at least some of those for our, our episode zero preparation episode of Starting Hero of Ages. Um, as we wrap up Well of Ascension... Uh, I'd want to take a, a look back at some of the things that were that were predicted uh, successfully or unsuccessfully or that are still left open. Um, I'm I'm wondering, uh, Sam and Caleb, what uh, questions you have that that are still left open. Uh, <laughs> Sam has a very big one that he's provided at the end of his notes of was I right or not? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I was 100% not expecting this to go full on Ouija Jumanji. Oh no, we unwittingly released an evil spirit. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. 
I do have questions. Uh, yeah, I don't know how, I guess I'm not sure how much I should say for episode zero, um, but I have questions and theories, so I can try to sort through which ones are questions that I don't have an answer to, maybe, um, and and say those now. You know what? I, I don't, I feel like we'll have more to talk about later. Let's just, like, let's talk about what's coming next. Like, we can figure out how we divide it up. Um. I do, before we get to what goes next, though, I want to look at what we have here of our, I, I do want to look at our episode zero predictions for this book. Um, the, the less consequential ones, uh, Sam, you are correct. Nobody moseys. Yay. Um, <laughs> my boldest prediction. Caleb got close, but not quite. There was no maladroit stumbling or anything uh, in this book. Rip. Uh, in terms of uh, things that might be a little more consequential, uh, uh, an Inquisitor was not the one who killed Straff. That was our heroine with a giant sword falling from the sky and cutting him in half, and it was awesome. Hooray! Sam was hoping that that clubs would get some more development, uh, which he did. It yeah, was technically uh, true. It was a tragic ending, <laughs> but we—I mean. We did get, I think, some good uh, interactions with clubs. Yeah, I still, I'm still a little bummed because I still don't think he ever reached the amount of fleshed out as um, the rest of the crew from book one did. Like, I still wouldn't say, oh, I know clubs as well as I know Breeze or uh, like stuff like that. But yeah, we did get a, enough clubs content that I did feel sad when he died, which I wouldn't have if his presence was the same as it was in book one. Uh, and then one other thing that uh, that Caleb, that you were uh, curious if you would see, was uh, trying to reason with the Coloss, uh, which we kind of saw here and there. Uh, we saw that Jastes was able to pay them for a while. Uh, we saw that they then did lose control and attack the city. Uh, and then we saw Vin take control of them, which isn't really reasoning with them. So some... Uh, some things around that area, but I don't know what uh, the the conclusion is with that. Neither am I, and I'm I'm just so very curious. Where, what does this story think about? Here is a group of of sentient creatures. You can just control them all as one entire unit. They're dangerous if they're not controlled, but also it's kind of <laughs> fucked up that you're just mind controlling them. I, I'm just, I'm so curious what the kind of conclusion to their place in the world will be. Let's see what else we had that was, uh, I'm trying to look for things that were particularly uh, far in advance. Uh, I do have to uh, give credit in uh, episodes uh, 12 and 13, um, the the back to back. I know Sam, you're still unsure as to what the actual conclusion was, uh, but going back to back with uh, Caleb realizing that the epigraphs were being tampered with, uh, and some of the con consequences thereof, then leading into uh, Sam uh, theorizing that the purpose of tampering with those epigraphs was to convince Vin to do this thing. Uh, was a a pair of of big hits there. I think collectively over those two episodes, we gave out like a couple hundred thousand podcast points. <laughs> I'd have to go back and Yay. count. 
Especially because it was preceded by episode 11, where Caleb flagged that the well had been moved or the location had been altered in some way. Yeah, and then one thing that I think was just from last episode, so it wasn't like an incredibly uh, called shot, but one thing that I I am shocked that I kind of got right is I believe one of my guesses, even though it was probably one of many, was that the mist spirit was being a dick on purpose to try and convince Vin to keep the power to herself. Um, seems like that's exactly what was happening, which I really did not expect to be true, but I think I did throw that guess out there. That is on the list, that the mist spirit wants Vin to take the power. So, where do we go from here? And, <laughs> and yes, I know, we go to Hero of Ages. That That part's pretty assumed. There's one thing that you haven't uh, covered that I that I talked about in episode zero, though. Uh, my one big question for the book: uh, Will Sam gain respect for Spook? And I no, yeah. I think the answer to that is not really. <laughs> there were times when I started to. The start of the book was promising, but then he turned into a sniveling weirdo again. Then he was a teenage boy. <laughs> Big sorry to, to Pete Carr Armstrong. Uh, to borrow a phrase many Cubs fans know by heart, there's always next book. <laughs> it hurts, but it's true. But it's yeah. true. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so what we can do to wrap this book up before we start talking about Hero of Ages in our, our next uh, series of episodes, starting with our episode zero... Uh, is just talk about this book as a whole and what we thought about it. You know, did you like reading it? Uh, and I can go ahead and, and start with this one because uh, if you asked me before doing this podcast to rank the the three books in the original Mistborn trilogy, uh, Well of Ascension would definitely be in third place. I'm mostly because I really like the other two. Um. But I appreciated well a lot more on this reread. I think the the fact that we did have time to dig into all of these details, uh, I think in my past reads, I may have just been like trying to barrel through to more Mistborn. Uh, and <laughs> I, I definitely liked, like this is, I think, one of my favorite times that I've read the book. So yeah, super enjoyed it. Would read again. Okay, who's next? I can go next. You're you talked first, so you're next. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> uh so um I really liked it. Uh I like how everything just kind of unfolded and I was not y you know, you you had an idea of like okay, well s something's wrong with the epigraphs. Like just um I, I don't remember what the very first notion of it is. Um I'm reminded of like uh Flowers for Algernon where um you know the first of all flowers for algernon is probably my fifth favorite book of all time um but it's about a, a guy who like takes uh part in some sort of medical experiment and you know is um, mentally handicapped and then becomes like a genius and then the uh, therapy starts not working anymore and he, he devolves um and it's all written from him like from his journals and the first sign that something's wrong is something like he missed a period at the end of a sentence or something or forgot to capitalize the first word. It's this tiny, tiny thing, but then it all starts to unravel like slowly and then more and more. 
um, and just kind of accelerate. So I'm curious what the first clue is. I'm sure I missed it, <laughs> but it would be it would be very cool to look back and be like, oh, that's where the epigraph started to get messed with. <laughs> that's where it all began. I don't think we picked up on it when it happened, but it was the detail of Elendi being tall that I think we were oh, yeah. we were like, no, it says he's of short stature when Seiza talks about it. And at the time, I believe my theory was, oh, maybe Seiza just mistranslated it or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was Elendi being tall that I think was the first thing of, wait a second, that's not what it says. I, I can answer that from the the page that that Beth mentioned of the the comparison of the the two uh, listings of it. Uh, the very first one um, was uh, was chapter seven, uh, which is just a some word tweaking to uh, it, it it changes. Uh, afraid of a doom worse than the deepness to afraid of a doom brought by the deepness mm -hmm. uh, which is a very small thing to to kind of focus attention on the deepness itself as the problem and not what was in the well uh, but the next one after that is chapter 10 uh, is Alendi's height so that was it wasn't the first change but it was it was the second and it was one of the first like larger ones and I feel like I can now say that, at least on my end, all of the business about Elendi's height was initially completely a joke because I totally forgot that was changed. <laughs> oh, um, but what was I? Yeah, uh, and that's what I think the initial thing. I like I kind of hand waved it off too. Is like a you know when you're translating a dead language, mm -hmm. you're gonna get some details kind of twisted, and I guess not. I guess it was messed with. Well, I, even at that point, I think the other theory I had was Brandon's editor was having an off day. <laughs> like, I mean, this was right after the whole nonsense with the mountains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's on purpose. Maybe like every edition is just a little different in that one part to throw you off. What a what a devious way to get you to buy the same book like five different times is look, <laughs> if you can find all the differences between each version, then you can uncover the secrets that have been hidden from you. So, uh, in general, I would say that I would give this book, uh, I don't know about a grade. <laughs> I don't know about a grade, but I, I do know this. Uh, it would make a fan-fucking-tastic miniseries, and I agree 100%. This is a miniseries. Um, and it'd be amazing. So, uh, yeah, I'm with it. I like this book a lot. Do you think that, uh, part six itself is just the finale episode? Oh, part six is one episode. Yeah. Both in the podcast and in the miniseries. hundred <laughs> percent. We're paving the way. You would have to like, you would have to have the, hero of ages movie announcement like lined up ready to go yeah oh uh and my my final word on this this uh book by the way uh for those curious about my my tome of notes uh you ready for the final page count and word count i am oh boy all right uh final page count 126 final word count 26,582 words I took notes, baby. 
and that's that's just well of ascension right that's that's just well i do prep for these <laughs> y'all y'all don't even know and and it can that preparation contains insights uh like was i right or not i don't know <laughs> exactly they're all useful it's useful notes all right uh beth or caleb i can go go for it cool um, yeah, just to, to jump off of the miniseries thought, I actually, I, I might not put book six as its own episode because there's a lot of information in book six, but there's not really all that much that like actually happens. Um, there's one fight scene that's about, there's a fight <laughs> scene and a whole lot of like world expanding lore. Yeah, but the fight scene lasts two pages and the other thing is fight scenes in movies are always shorter than you expect. They like I there have been so many times where I've thought back to a fight scene I saw in a movie and then I go, "Oh, I want to watch that." And I look it up on YouTube and it's like 3 minutes long. I was like, "How how is it only 3 minutes?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like in terms of portraying it on screen, you could get book 6 done in like 20 to 30 minutes, and I'm assuming the miniseries would be hour-long episodes for the most part. Um, but it would also be very difficult to just tack that on to the end of Battle of Luthadel. So yeah, I, I think it's an, an interesting um, idea of how exactly you would break it down. Um, but yeah, in terms of the uh, thoughts on the book, uh, especially in comparison to Final Empire, I feel like this one had both higher highs and lower zanes. Um, <laughs> I... I really loved all of the political intrigue stuff, the election stuff, um, the idea of having to parlay with these um, uh, armies that are besieging you and the different personalities of like, um, like the fact that Set's whole vibe and Straff's whole vibe were completely different. And you could also feel that in like the armies themselves and every scene where Set was talking with his guys versus Straff talking with his guys. Um, I wish we got more of like Jastis's inner thoughts to kind of complete that trio. Um, but I just really love that. Like every single threat has its own like pros and cons of how do we deal with this? How do we approach this? Um, the entire buildup of the well mythology, I thought was really good. Like I said, there's a lot more of mystical stuff being added in that you've only got really hints of in final empire. Um, the mystery of the epigraphs was like, it drove me insane, but in the best possible way um, of me just like flipping back and forth and trying to track down every single discrepancy was just a really, really fun experience of trying to figure out exactly what was going wrong and why was this happening. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, it had, I think, on average, cooler fight scenes than Final Empire had. Like I said, the the Marsh Sazed fight was fantastic. I love that so much. Um, and we had some really, really cool exploration of a bunch of different characters. And um, Sam has his thing with Spook. This book did the impossible of getting me to like Elland. It sure um, did. Glad to hear so, it. So, yes, that was that was a uh, uh, quite the task. Um, and as one final and very closely related uh, advantage of this book, Tindwill is in it. Um, so that was very <laughs> nice. Um, on the other hand, there were some cons, such as Tindwill dying. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh like i said you know you have you have uh 
Zane, we kind of talked about him a lot already, but like his whole edgelord dynamic is just kind of eh, weird. Um, I also, I don't know, I wish we got more out of Ulrienne. There was still more, there was just, she just felt like kind of a strange character. I'm not exactly sure what her vibe was supposed to be. Um, there's the detail of Ellen throwing Vin under the bus with the whole election thing, and that really never gets brought up again. He never really apologizes after the fact. Um, uh, Zane, I, I don't know if I mentioned him yet, but Zane, uh, uh, his whole deal. The Straff's insane poisoning subplot that ended up barely mattering because <laughs> he dies right after he gets better from it um, was entertaining, but I don't think quite in the way it was intended to be. Um, and then, I don't know, I just, I understand Vin because she has the, like, excuse of, of learning how to trust people, but Ellen, and at the very, and probably Breeze, and at the very least, we get confirmation of Ham, all of those guys also know there's a Contra spy, and none of them seem to be putting much effort into finding it, and... I don't know, the lack of urgency in that subplot. I loved the idea of there being a Contra spy, but then pretty much all the characters were like, oh no, anyways, um, <laughs> that that aspect of the book, I, I think, I don't know, I, I think that could be explored in an adaptation to kind of maybe play with the urgency and pacing of that a little bit to improve it. Because I think in the book, I was a little bit disappointed at how much that was put on the back burner when it really seems like it should be one of the top priorities to take care of. Um, and then in terms of other cons, I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, Zane. He really didn't click with me. Um, I, I just, uh, I don't know. It, it was just not That's, really. I'm, I'm glad you could be honest about that. I feel like you've been keeping that real close to the chest. I know. I know. I didn't want to disappoint anyone because I know he's a fan favorite, but I just, I did have to I'm point shocked. that out. Um, but yeah, on the whole, I think I would give this book uh, eight dismembered limbs of docks and clubs, respectively, out of ten. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I don't want to rank it on that metric now. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just how the rules work. You're so right. Oh boy, yeah. I this book series is really good, huh? It's crazy it's how real that good. works. I, I, I already <laughs> not not to jump in right as you're about to get started, but I feel bad listing off all of my cons all at once because it makes it sound like I didn't enjoy the book. This book is really good. I still really enjoyed it. <laughs> it's okay. I'm gonna start with the cons and then go to the pros, so we still end right, on. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I feel like there were a few growing pains going from, um, like, the Final Empire is, for all intents and purposes, a heist novel with the, that sort of structure and band of characters. And I feel like there were a few growing pains going from that into this much more, like, we're dealing with world stakes now, and it's gonna be crazy. Like, we we joked about how little we got to see clubs we hardly saw dachshund um where they like like that whole band of characters was so integral to final empire so i was i was disappointed that we didn't get as many like group dinners you know um i also agree that i i talked about tindwell's death and fridging and how conflicted i am about that and that it continues to sit with me um zane and I'm glad someone brought him up finally. <laughs> um, but overall, goodness lordy me, the character like arcs in this book are just mwah, beautiful. Um, like seeing uh, the 
path that Vin and Ellen's relationship goes on, seeing the the friendship develop between Vin and Tensoon, which is so, so lovely. Um, Ellen as a character getting like completely built up so that even Caleb likes him. Um, <gasps> seeing Sazed be so completely tragically broken down by the end of it. It, it, it just beautiful. Um, so I, I think that I, I agree with what you initially said, Justin, that um, Well of Ascension going into this was my my number three of three in terms of, of rankings of this trilogy. And I think it's staying there, but I did, there was just so much to appreciate on this reread and, and reading it with uh, Sam and Caleb for the first time. That was fun. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this is where we have like, so much more behind the scenes machinations happening that seeing you you start to pick up on it and start to piece it together that was a ton of fun um but you know saying that it ranks in at third uh we're gonna go some places with hero of ages y'all and i am excited yeah that's hearing that from both of you is making me both excited and worried about hero of ages <laughs> i'm excited and scared it is scared uh yeah no i i think that um i'll be very curious to see how going through hero of ages like this changes my opinion uh, but i'm i'm wondering if well of ascension is the best on a reread i feel like it might have mm -hmm. the most to offer going through it again and being able to see hang on that starts that early or those clues are already here that kind of thing I, I think Well of Ascension really shines in that department. All right. Well, I think, unless there are any final thoughts, I think that does it for us with Well of Ascension. <sighs> That's crazy. We finished the book, y'all. We did oh it. Gosh. We got through a book. <laughs> when was the episode first time zero? we've ever done. I feel like I've read <laughs> this book forever and also for no time at all. Let's see how long it has been. Episode zero dropped. I should check the. It was I should early check the fall, date. I believe. October twenty sixth of twenty twenty two. Ooh, late late fall. I was just what? trying to think of how long I've been doing the Instagram because I didn't <laughs> I didn't start that up until well. And now, as we are recording the finale, it is just about the end of January. Uh, so that leads me into uh, a bit of bookkeeping here. Uh, the next couple of episodes will be coming out over the, the next couple of weeks, concluding with this one that you're hearing right now. So those episodes will have come out over the previous couple of weeks. You're welcome. Congratulations, listener, on making it this far. Yeah. <laughs> and congratulations to us on making it this far. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so that being said, like we did uh, between uh, Final Empire and Well of Ascension, we're going to be taking a short break. We need to make sure that we can get our schedules in line and just take a general breather, uh, get the <laughs> editing backlog built up a little bit. Uh, so uh, about two or three weeks, we'll see how it is exactly. Uh, we will be resuming, like we've said, with another episode zero, where we get our hands on the copy of Hero of Ages that we're going to be reading. Uh, and we talk about what we have upcoming in the book, looking at the cover, looking at the, the synopsis on the back, and the questions that were open at the end of this episode. Uh, and then we're going to be going right on through. Uh, Hero of Ages is slated for 
uh, 13 episodes, uh, which will be coming out weekly, just like they always have been, uh, with possibly a, a week or two off in there if we need a, a break over the holidays, but we should be endeavoring to get them to you uh, one week at a time, just like they always are. Maybe we'll throw in a uh, Secret Project 1 interlude that if we, we need could. a buffer. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to help out with that episode. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to your contributions, Caleb. I also just, you mentioned Back of the Book. I just want to point out, it doesn't technically lie, but Back of the Book for Well of Ascension was a little bit misleading in hindsight. (laughs) They've barely begun when three separate armies attack. The third army doesn't show up until like a third of the way through the book. Um, An ancient legend seems to offer a glimmer of hope. They don't really seem to think that offers a glimmer of hope until two thirds of the way through the book. And then, even if it really exists, no one knows where to find the Well of Ascension. Technically sort of true, but everyone thinks they know where to find it, and that is also untrue. Yeah, everyone thought they thought they knew where it was. We'll have to see how Hero of Ages compares. Uh, We do not yet have the the copy on hand, so I cannot take a a look ahead, but I, I am very curious to see. When those new episodes start coming out, uh, you will be able to find them uh, on our website, alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, you can email us your thoughts on Well of Ascension as a whole or on Hero of Ages coming up uh, at contact at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. Uh, our social media feeds, I imagine, will remain uh, a little more active than the website during the downtime between uh, between books. That is Twitter at always another pod uh, and Instagram at always another pod. Those are both places you can find us and we will be sure to make it uh, loud and clear when Hero of Ages gets started back up again. It warms my heart to hear from people, by the way. Speaking sappily personally, it, it is so, so gratifying to read people's words. So please share your thoughts. But if they're yeah. spoilers, Y'all do are it out by there email. And you're real. Yeah, if it's, yeah. if it's spoilers, do it by email, and then Twitter's probably pretty safe, because Beth mostly handles that, I believe. If you're commenting on Instagram, make sure that it does not spoil anything, because I love reading the comments, but I'm always slightly stressed to check. And we we do appreciate <laughs> that uh, the, the messages that we have gotten so far have been uh, very careful to clearly delineate if there's anything that is a, a spoiler. So we we appreciate y'all for that. Good job, fans. We do appreciate you. Hey, and oh, that, also that, the... jo- that joke in there this episode, that was for you. Yes, Aww. definitely you. Another bespoke joke. Uh, the version that we're hoping to read of Hero of Ages, if anyone cares about our page number shenanigans, um, is not the mass market paperback, but the big paperback. Yes, the trade The cover has got Vin... Uh, posing it up um on top of a coloss corpse i'm not sure if she's behind it or on it but it's that one okay yeah i think that does it then for our episode and for this uh season of the podcast uh we will see everyone in the next book and i cannot wait may lord hammond be with your spirit and also with yours Ham will never die. <laughs> Ham is the true hero of ages. All right. First, <laughs> first prediction for episode zero. I'm going to ask who dies. 
<laughs> God damn, no, you can't do this to me. You can't do that to me. just couldn't come. Finn, Spook, Ellen, everybody.